Thank you for listening to Two Heels and a Face Wrestling Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, my name is Charlie Vale. I am on Twitter at Chuck underscore Colorado. Big wrestling fan and native of the Chicagoland area where there's a lot of good wrestling going on. But this podcast that you're about to listen to is with my good friend and New Japan pro wrestling connoisseur and aficionado, Greg Biatoni. Greg P. Tony is on Twitter at Greg Nasty, just how you think you would spell it. And this podcast is not just to, we use Wrestle Kingdom 11 as an example. And I know what you're thinking, right? It's February. Wrestle Kingdom is already a month old. Wrestle Kingdom 11, excuse me, is already a month old. But really this podcast is for the listener who wants to learn and know more about New Japan Pro Wrestling as a whole. So Greg is going to educate, he educates me on some things about New Japan Pro Wrestling and how they send people off to do excursions and how they interact with other promotions and the reputation and how Wrestle Kingdom is kind of building every year and what to expect at Wrestle Kingdom shows and what to expect at their regular pay-per-views. So he educates me and he hopefully this podcast will educate the masses on what to expect from New Japan Pro Wrestling and how it is different from other promotions. That's one of the things I like about wrestling right now is that there are so many different things you can grab from the buffet table of wrestling, and New Japan Pro Wrestling is just one of them. So don't go running away just because you hear Wrestle Kingdom 11. This is more using Wrestle Kingdom 11 as examples and the wrestlers who wrestled in the last four matches of that pay-per-view to explain more about New Japan Pro Wrestling as a whole. So if Wrestle Kingdom 11 got you into New Japan, you want to get into New Japan, This is the podcast for you to learn more about it so you can become more educated, have meaningful conversations with people, continue to watch, and continue to see these interesting characters progress. There's a lot of interesting characters, such as Naito, whose first name I can't remember, but very, very interesting person. We talk about his journey and how he went from face to heel and just a lot of things like that. So strap it in, sit back, and listen to myself and Greg Piatoni educate you and hopefully educate you and then educate one of your friends that you talk to about New Japan Pro Wrestling. Hello, Greg. How are you today? Doing well, Chuck. How are you? I'm doing great. We just went through a roller coaster ride uh, that is the last four matches of Wrestle Kingdom 11. Uh, how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling great. Uh, you're all probably maybe a little worn out after hearing so much about Wrestle Kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's been all over the place. Yeah. Even more so than past years. Wrestle Kingdom 9 was on American pay-per-view, but Wrestle Kingdom 11 to me still has the bigger presence uh, with an American audience from what I'm seeing. Is is it? I feel like it's building every year. Is that true? I would say so. Okay. Uh, And then New Japan's catching up, right? The, the, they had, we watched it on a, I bought a month of, the streaming service, right? So that is a WWE idea that they just adapted. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're catching up to uh, to kind of the mainstream, and then their efforts with like Ring of Honor too. Uh, that's good. So that you have the you know people overseas getting exposure. This podcast is for someone who is just unfamiliar with New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, the promotion itself, the style, the wrestlers involved. Um, the way they do things over there is a bit different. It's a whole different culture, which you are very well versed in. So that's why we have you on two heels and a face. And 
we're not going to sit here and break down every match because that's what people have been doing for like the last week or so, right? Uh, but we're going to talk about four matches specifically and then just talk about uh, Wrestle Kingdom in general, uh, excuse me, New Japan in general, and why uh, that's that, I guess, style. I guess really every promotion over there, uh, would you say they kind of have the same style or not? Or is New Japan a little different? No, not necessarily. Okay. I think... Uh... I would say there are definitely similarities, but I also think that you are kind of getting different things out of a New Japan versus mm-hmm. a pro wrestling, no, uh, big Japan, all Japan. Okay. It, it's a whole world out there. Yeah. So, th- so this is a, this is going to be a really good listen if you just are unfamiliar with that brand and that mm. style and, uh, you know, with the production value here and in the U S we get like trance and sucked into only WWE, which is, which is and that's the way a lot of us grew up, which is fine. It's very uh, apparent now that you can find different types of wrestling, and they're easily accessible, right? The streaming service, like it took me four clicks to get to that to get to Wrestle Kingdom Eleven today, um, and it's it's to the point basically that it was in. It's it's not to the, well, it's not to the point where where the the Monday Night Wars were happening, uh, but if there if you are sick of WWE, there is another. Uh, as we say, another buffet table right next to the WWE buffet table. If you're sick of, if you're kind of just sick of that brand, or you can go find something else that you want, like a Lucha Underground, your local promotion, or like a New Japan like this. So if you are interested in New Japan and this style, and you want to learn more about it, that's why you know we pay you the big bucks, which is free Sapporo, <laughs> the <laughs> consultant to come in, uh, Greg Nasty, and educate us a little bit. So I know that we had you on lay at the mat down. Uh, before the rebrand, yes. uh, Lay at the Mat Down was our old podcast, which is now a blog. Um, and we talked a lot about New Japan there, and I believe we talked about kind of what got you into it. Yeah. Um, so we don't need to revisit that, but um, I guess if you want to give me just a general synopsis and overview of what you thought of this uh, specific Wrestle Kingdom show. Uh, this Wrestle Kingdom, I will say straight off the bat, I thought the first half of the show was pretty inconsequential. Okay. Uh, which is a big part of the reason why uh, when I was texting with Chuck, mm-hmm. I initially said, you know, let's try to focus on these last four matches. Uh, yeah. Because I think a bulk of what's exciting, a bulk of what's big is contained in those four matches. Okay. Uh, that's not to say there's not good stuff in the undercard. Yeah. Like that would be bold face lie to okay. say that there was nothing good in the undercard. I just feel like... Maybe that's something you can just kind of go back to. Like, yeah. If if you are new to the product, I think these four matches give a really fucking good breakdown right. of like what the product is at its biggest. Okay. Yeah, and that's what you said to me. You know, I, I guess I had initially had the idea of just like watching the whole show, which is a five and a half hour show, yeah. very long show. But you brought up the idea of like let's just go through the first or the, the last, last four, four. Yeah. the last four. So all those elements of New Japan Pro Wrestling, what makes it unique is in those last four matches, right? Yeah. Great. Um, we can talk about uh, just some observations that I had for the fourth to last match, which is a junior heavyweight title match. Yep, fourth from the top. Fourth from the top, yes. And uh, I had some some unique things kind of just pop out at me. Oh, well, first, um, uh, yeah. uh, let's note that it was between... Uh, the reigning champ Kushida, yes, and the challenger uh, Hiromu Takahashi, correct. Um, and I know, so I, I jump in there and I know nothing about these people, right? Um, 
So tell me a little bit about each of these people and kind of introduce them to a person who's never heard these names. And all the names sound very similar, too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's definitely, I think, one of the harder things to get used to. Uh, like, coming from that American mindset mm -hmm. is just that, you know, these names are all decidedly very much foreign to us. Right. So, like, a lot of similarities can either come, I mean just out of the blue or even to like some Japanese fans, some names are just very similar. Yeah. So like when you're kind of just getting used to a product, like I know that, um, I try to branch out when I can and, uh, watch other promotions. I've been mm -hmm. watching Dragon Gate. I watch okay. a few, uh, a couple women's promotions based in Japan, Stardom, Sendai Girls. Uh, so when I'm watching okay. like promotions that I'm unfamiliar with, that is one of the hardest things for me initially is just kind of keeping track of like who's who even if they make a great impression, it's just, it's tough when you don't have that kind of like that natural connection that you'd have right. with like, you know, a language that you're more familiar with. Right. Yeah. And, so, uh, so one guy to, to make an impression on me, the first guy I saw had like an orange life vest. Yeah. And you said yeah, that. Yeah. That was Kushida. Uh, and that kind of comes from his gimmick. Uh, I think especially when he was teaming with Alex Shelley, who you're probably familiar with. If Sounds you're, familiar. Uh, yeah. Like, for any uh, TNA fans who are listening, uh, he was a big part of that with uh, Motor City Machine Guns, like in TNA, Ring of mm -hmm. Honor, him and uh, Chris Saban. Yep. But, uh, so Kushida was teaming with Alex Shelley, and they had, they were called the Time Splitters, and they had this, like, Back to the Future kind of gimmick. So, essentially, Kushida is still Marty McFly. Uh there was a Wrestle Kingdom, I think it was two <laughs> years ago, where he came out in a DeLorean. Okay. So I think, yeah, that is one way to uh, make a first impression on somebody on a big stage. But this time it was just the vest. And as you noticed a little bit later, his light-up boots. Right. The soles of his boots. Similar to Naomi's light-up boots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and so that was, and that's just a gimmick that just, like, people just buy into, right? It's wacky, but people just don't care because he's so over. Yeah, and I think, mm -hmm. like... Uh, it's only really made evident during the entrances, too. Like, as you notice, like, in the match itself, it's not like Kushida was at any point concerned with driving a car a certain miles per hour yeah. in order to transcend the uh, time-space continuum. Right. You know, he's he's just uh, he's just a wrestler. But, like, yeah, I think, like, mm -hmm. you know, the entrance attire could definitely... Uh, you know, spark something. Yeah. I, I thought that the, so Taka, he was wrestling Takahashi. Yeah. I thought that Takahashi looked like, do you know who Kabuki Joe is? No. This is like a throwback. So there was this N64 game called War Gods and it was a fighting <laughs> game and there was this guy named Kabuki Joe, but really it was just like the red, uh, I think like the red fur around the boots okay. and, and kind of like in his costume that really stuck out to me. But yeah, so these are the first time like I've seen these guys. So I'm trying to relate a name that's hard to pronounce yeah. with just like, I'm trying to like kind of match. Okay. Like, you know, Kushida had was the back to the future guy and like things like that. So that's, that's kind of what I was trying to take in. But my question to you is fourth match from the top and there's like a, a sunset flip powerbomb to the outside. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, is it usually like that intense or was this just Wrestle Kingdom like busting out all the main stuff? Or is New Japan like every show like that, your fourth match from the top is going to be no, pretty no. great? Okay. Uh, I think with New Japan, you're typically for the bigger shows even, you're usually looking at like a two or, th or like 
two or maybe three match card. Okay. Uh, it's one of those things you can always count on the Intercontinental title match to be yeah. a big thing. Mm -hmm. The heavyweight title match is obviously going to be big. And uh, in recent, I think like the last two years, the Never title match okay. has been pretty big. And we're actually, we'll get into that a little bit later, right. what that is. But uh, interestingly, uh, the junior heavyweight title match, this is probably the highest it's been in years uh, on a Wrestle Kingdom card. Okay. The junior heavyweight title match is usually kind of relegated to the undercard. So I think uh, its placement on this show is pretty indicative of how the company feels about Kushida and how the company feels about Hiromu Takahashi. Yeah. Is is the is the junior I feel like they try to work in weight classes into a lot of stuff, but almost do they really matter or is that just kind of in the name to make it feel more like a shoot? Because like the junior heavyweight title, is that limited to a certain weight class or no? Um, at least theoretically, yes. I don't know of any concrete like two oh five or anything oh, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Like any actual established weight limit. Okay. But one of the big things in New Japan is actually the differentiation between the juniors and the heavyweights. Okay. And that's something that they actually get a lot of flack for, and I would say reasonably so, is that uh while they are kind of remedying that now, like I was saying, like Kushida and Takahashi so far up on the card in such a big, like, intense, hard work match. Uh, like, that's huge. But, again, it was just kind of, like, in the basement for a little while. And uh, a great yeah. example is that Kushida himself was lobbying to get into the G1 tournament this year. Mm -hmm. But he didn't get in because okay. he's just a junior. And that's, and that's a shoot. Really? That's a shoot, bro. So it does matter. It matters. And, and you said they get flack for it because people aren't given opportunities or they're pegged yeah, to one thing exactly that okay. like i'm one of them i wanted kushida in that g1 okay uh they had kyle o'reilly work in the junior stuff people want kyle o'reilly and more heavyweight type matches yep. uh kenny omega is actually one of the ones who moved from a junior to a heavyweight in new japan so it's possible it is possible okay but i mean kushida is still lot smaller than Kenny Omega. Okay, so. I guess it's hard to tell without, uh, like, really looking at their numbers, height and Yeah, weight. yeah, yeah, without, like, a lineup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, a, a, real, a thing that stuck out to me about this match, just, like, first time, because I've seen maybe two or three New Japan matches before this, so very, very new to this type of product, but something that stuck out to me was the match went 60 minutes and 15 seconds long, but it felt a lot shorter because it was high-paced action right from the start. They didn't really have, like, the chain kind of opening, feeling each other out. <laughs> it was in your face right from the start. Did you feel that way, or... Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I think, um, one, that's kind of, I think, what I've come to expect from Kushida. Okay. And I should note that I'm actually much more familiar with him than I am Hiromu Takahashi. Okay. Because uh, I think, I mean, maybe we could get into this now. Yeah, like, sure. Uh, where he's kind of coming from. Yeah, go for it. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi came from like the New Japan Dojo and he was a young lion for a while. So what does that, what are the, what does those mean? Uh, basically you're coming up like basically through like an in-house wrestling school. Okay. And then when you're a young lion, typically what'll happen is you're given like very, very basic ring gear. 
just like black boots, black knee pads, black trunks. Okay. And you'll be working typically like these short little exhibition matches, uh, opening up like some of like the smaller and mid-sized shows. Yeah. Or you'll be kind of thrown in like a six-man tag with some veterans. Okay. It's just kind of a way to like learn on the fly. And okay. give these people like real world experience in wrestling. So you're you're a young Padawan in training. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, and then what happens is once you're ready, then you're shipped off like on a learning excursion. So uh, <laughs> this is this is interesting. Yeah, it's the young alliances. Uh, so here we Takahashi uh, went to CMLL, which is one of the two really big wrestling promotions in Mexico. Yeah, it's and a, just another example of New Japan like branching out, right? Yeah, branching yeah. out their brand. They, they, have, they actually have a really big uh, connection with CMLL. They? they run yeah. some like joint show, a series of joint shows every year. Okay, Fantastica Mania. Just as an aside, yeah, and it's just. A whole series of cards that are mixtures of New Japan guys and luchadors. So that's pretty, damn, pretty fun. Probably stuff. a lot of high spots in yeah. there. Uh-huh. So, uh, so anyway, yeah, uh, Takahashi was shipped off to CMLL, where that's kind of where my knowledge of him ends, because I don't really get uh-huh. a chance to watch a lot of CMLL. I don't uh, get a chance to watch much lucha in general. Okay, but I do know that he apparently killed it over there he, yeah he was involved in a feud with someone named dragon lee and it's i remember like while it was going on at least people were saying this is one of the best feuds in wrestling in general really? like, in years okay and that's you know uh, uh, still a young boy working with uh dragon yeah. lee. so so even though they're sent off the eyes are still on them right uh, by the your your New Japan head booker, or like they're still all kind of under that microscope of can this guy make it on his own? Yeah, okay. You'd at least theoretically, you'd at least hope so. Okay. They're not just like left out to dry, right? Uh, so then, typically, what happens is like you'll put in time. Uh, for example, Okada, because uh-huh. uh, Okada, he was shipped off to TNA. Re- oh, know? so yeah. it's not just it, it, it's not go anywhere. It's not always going to be Mexico. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, like, it usually is just because they do have that relationship, and they, yeah. had, they had a relationship with TNA. Okay. They, they don't anymore, but right. they had one. Okay. With Takahashi, mm-hmm. so he was killing it down in Mexico, came back, worked some Ring of Honor earlier this okay. year, and then he debuted, he re-debuted in New Japan just at a show called uh, Power Struggle just in November, mm-hmm. and he's already at a point where he's you know, challenging for the junior heavyweight title in a match that, like, the uh, the pre-match, like, the pre-show interactions between the two of them, mm-hmm. between Kushida and Takahashi, were just so fire, right. essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, just incredible stuff, so... So he's got a lot of momentum yeah, going exactly. right now. It's, it's interesting to me, um, it's interesting to me if you, I guess if you want someone to make it in your promotion, you almost send them away instead of keeping them there. I, I understand the, tr- the the young lion part, uh, but I wonder the psychology of just sending someone away on an excursion to prove yourself and then come back. Because you're sending them to a different promotion, right? right? We're like in a different country where maybe a different style is had, yeah. and but then expecting them to come back and maybe work your style. Does that seem a little yeah. counterproductive? I no, don't know. I don't know what I, the psychology is about. I, I do, I do totally get that, mm-hmm. but I think it's also a way to kind of cultivate a different style on top of what you've already been taught. Okay. So it's not so much that you're unlearning what you already know. I'd right. say it's more about expansion. 
Okay. And plus, like, while you're going somewhere and you're being forced to work a different style, you're probably going to pick up elements from that. Right. You know, and work that into, like, some different kind of hybrid than you had before. That's true. So you're going to, like, theoretically, you're going to come back, like, a more complete, well-rounded worker and somebody who has experience, you know, being someplace where there's a language barrier and you're working with guys who don't speak Japanese. Right. You know, and I think and that's huge because there's always going to be That's a good point. That's always going to exist on a high level. Yeah. With guys who you don't share a native tongue. It seems like New Japan does a really good job of the that's that you're almost representing them in in uh in a different country, right? So it seems like they do a really good job of just like creating cultivating relationships with other companies with other promotions uh but their tech game is struggling as we talked about they don't yeah. have that but um where they're kind of the anti-wwe where wwe like just this year started acknowledging that other promotions existed right but new japan is all about that cross promotion yeah, yeah. which is cool um anything about else about that match that uh someone just watching it the first time like may not notice but you want them to you want to point out to them um, I would say one of the things to kind of keep in mind is that this has been Kushida's year okay. in a big way. Uh, he worked a series of matches. He had a couple matches against Will Ospreay, who I'd imagine everybody knows about at this point. Yeah, probably most likely. Uh-huh. Fantastic. Great match against Jushin Thunder Liger. And, uh, I mean, the reason a lot of this is kind of notable is just that I think the past two or three years especially – there haven't been a lot of like that of a, a lot of juniors matches that were that high quality. Okay. So I think like Kushida kind of this year uh, brought about a kind of resurgence in a way, okay. even though he wanted to move up and uh, do more heavyweight stuff. Right. I do think he uh, to some degree brought in a junior heavyweight resurgence. One thing. One thing I noticed about this match. Um, that's a good point. One thing I noticed about this match is. Uh, and really the entire last four matches of New Japan is how much more realistic the submissions look. And like, um, Kushida had that almost, it was, it's basically a Kimura, right? But he calls it the, I don't know, the hoverboard, the hoverboard lock. But, um, it looked really, the way they were doing it, it looked really good. Almost to the point where I'm like a little mad that takahashi didn't didn't like my smarky side is like takahashi should tap right now because it looks like it's gonna break off but uh but yeah that's just one thing i noticed that in wwe sometimes people get lazy with your i guess that's a special submission but really every submission i guess that's technically supposed to be a rest hold or something to advance the storyline like looked very shooty Hmm. i guess would you agree with that i i would and i do think it's Kind of important to note that that isn't necessarily always going to be the case. Okay. I, I would say more often than not, but I do think uh, with like a Wrestle Kingdom being your first show. Yeah. I, I do I do think like these guys were in a way kind of working harder than usual. Okay. Okay. So it's good to set I, I, that I expectation. Yeah. I think okay. that that is something to consider. And if anyone listening, like if this Wrestle Kingdom was your first New Japan show, I'm not saying, like, oh, all the other ones are shit. You know, I'm definitely not saying anything <laughs> yeah. like that. But I, I would say just kind of keep in mind, yeah, this is usually uh, where people are busting their ass the hardest. Yeah, okay. Um, so we talked about the classes. Um, one thing I wanted to note is uh, I felt like they did a really good job. And I don't know what it is, but I feel like all the belts in the last four matches, like, really felt important. 
Um, all of them felt almost like nothing lower than an intercontinental title uh, or a world heavyweight title. Uh, I don't know. Do you have any? Do you have any idea maybe why that I feel that way? Like someone watching this because I I don't know. I remember asking you like during the show. I was like, what would you equate you know the junior heavyweight title to? Or in a, this next match, what would you equate the never open weight title to? And uh, you almost didn't want to say it was like the equivalent of a U.S. title because it's not right. in WWE. Right. Is there a reason why do they do the do maybe? there's less matches defending it throughout the year and thus they feel more important or what would be a reason why watching this, I felt like every belt mattered. Uh, Cause I feel like for those four belts in particular, mm-hmm. uh, I think the re- like the wrestlers themselves kind of take it seriously in the okay. sense that, I mean, and plus those matches are always going to get time. Yes. It, it's not going to be one of those things where, uh, well, here's kind of the never, it's just a never heavyweight or uh-huh. open weight title match, right. but you wouldn't know that otherwise. You know, it's not something where it's just like this eight minute TV thing or something like that. Mm-hmm. The matches are getting time. Uh, the work rate's usually higher. Okay. Uh, so, and I think uh, New Japan shot really well too. Like, I, I like all, like, the kind of cutaway, well-timed cutaway shots to the belt. Right. And um, plus, I mean, just the caliber of the guys who were working these last four matches are just really high. Okay. So, I think that helps, too. Yeah. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say not every title in New Japan is very important. Okay. Because uh, there were a few title matches uh, in the undercard that we didn't watch. Mm-hmm. So, but I would say, yeah, for those titles and for the guys who are currently holding them, they're hard workers. They're taking it seriously. So yeah. I think, I mean, that kind of goes a long way. They're taking it seriously and the company is letting the matches get time. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Um, so this belt was, was won by, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, then probably shame on you because it's been enough days. It's been up for a while. Uh, what's his last name? Is it Goto? Oh, we're talking about the, uh, the Never Open. The Never, right yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Hiroki Goto. Hiroki took Goto. home the Never Open weight title. And then uh, versus Shibata, who you said, who both of these guys are actual lifelong friends, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah they grew up together. They're close friends. And uh, it makes for the best kinds of stories when they're a shoot. Right. Or like, you know, when they're not too far removed from a shoot. So. Uh-huh. And they said, I mentioned they were former tag team champions. Yeah. Um, I felt like the entire match was um, just them trying to outdo each other, like a, like a, a competition. Yeah, it, competition. it was them trying to say, I'm more of a man than you are. Right. It, like the huge machismo thing, like, uh, like the spots where you get Shibata just kind of sitting cross-legged on the mat, just like letting Goto kick him, just like, I don't give a fuck, dude. Right. Like, your, your kicks aren't doing shit to me. Right. Like, a lot of that whole thing, and uh, that's kind of what you'd expect from those two guys. Yeah. Just them beating the absolute shit out of each other. It, it was, yeah, it was almost like that one friend that you've known for so long, like, you know the type of BS that he's going to pull, right? <laughs> yeah. And you're just, uh, maybe you've gotten in some, like, arguments where you maybe you maybe crossed the line on some things you said and uh, it felt like that kind of, that kind of relationship. Like they were, uh, I don't know. And one guy looked really badass, Shibata. Shibata yeah. um, and then one guy looked a little bit, I wouldn't say he's out of shape because they're all out, they're all in shape, but he was just a little bit heavier. Set. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was the Goto guy. Yeah. So it was almost like you had the one and you told me 
the Goto. Am I saying that right, Goto? Yeah, Goto. Uh, he's he's got the the uh, almost the guy who can't win the big one gimmick. Yeah. So it was like kind of like your your almost chubbier friend. And then, and then, like your cool jock, right? And like maybe it's these, not so far off. Yeah, it's not so far. Maybe yeah, these guys used good. to be friends in like grammar school, and then when you got to high school, Shibata became the cool right, jock football right. player, and Goto was like the uh, the out of shape, even though he's not uh, the out of shape. Uh, I don't know, gamer right. nerd or yeah. something like that. And that's just what it kind of felt like. And then they were like meeting in college or something like that, or at like senior year of high school. And it was all coming to a head. Is that true? <laughs> oh, dude, that's kind of beautiful. It was like, was that all written down in your notes? Uh, like a, a little bit, a couple <laughs> of the notes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's. I think that's pretty fair. Um, one thing that is worth noting is that that this match wasn't the original plan for Katsuhiro okay. Shibata defending yeah. his never open weight title. Yeah. It wasn't going to be against Goto. Okay. It was going to be against uh, this guy named Go Shiozaki from Pro Wrestling Noah. Okay. A different promotion. Right. They had started uh, in the G1 Climax Grand Finals this year. They started this kind of like interpromotional war that came to a head. And then you had uh, Shibata representing New Japan, Go Shiozaki representing uh, Pro Wrestling Noah. And that was going to be the big match at Wrestle Kingdom. Okay. And. It wasn't spelled out as such. It wasn't formally announced, but just kind of everybody knew where it was going and it was leading to that. Okay. And that's what people wanted to see. Right. So it almost felt like a downgrade when it's like, mm. oh, because kind of what happened was Pro Wrestling Noah got bought out by an IT company. What? Really? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So uh, because that happened, their relationship with New Japan kind of came to a halt. Okay. So now New Japan's not using Noah guys on their shows. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Goto was just kind of like a last-minute replacement, and they just kind of threw some shit together to explain why the match was happening. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. so I didn't even know that going in. But, yeah. Uh, well, you wouldn't know it, because, yeah. like, the match was just so fucking good that it felt, right. like, it felt like from the jump, like, this is an important match, you know, just from, like, the outset. Yeah, I think that then they played up the front storyline yeah. to kind of yeah. give it more meaning, right? And, and the fact that, like, the, the matches those two have had against each other in the past are phenomenal. Yeah. Like, uh... So they have history. Oh, yeah. Long mm-hmm. history. Long, brutal history of hitting each other in the jaw. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, that's another... And that, that, that no, I like how you keep bringing up examples of, like, New Japan... Uh, working with other promotions, and that's a promotion uh, in their home country. Yeah. Um, but uh, it seems like they have that reputation of uh, being open to work with someone if it's best for their own business, right? So, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of another thing that some people do criticize New Japan for is almost kind of being bullies. Oh, and okay. That, uh, so the relationships are they very one sided towards New Japan, like. They- in recent times, they seem to be kind of one-sided. Okay. Uh, they actually just recently got a little bit better about that. But there was a while where a lot of people were pretty upset about the relationship with Ring of Honor. Yeah, tell me about that, because uh, that's an interesting one. And that, and that was just kind of because uh, they would run every once in a while these interpromotional shows. Uh, especially, like, they would do it in the States, and they'd bring Ring of Honor guys over to Japan. But uh, the New Japan guys were always going over. Oh, okay. And, okay. Uh, so that was kind of it was it was all upset. take no give. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, they did get better uh, about that in terms of uh, position positioning some guys, summering of honor guys to kind of do a little bit better. Right. 
So yeah, if you have this partnership, you know both sides have to benefit. Yeah. But well, I mean, Ring of Honor was benefiting from bigger houses. Right. That's true. <laughs> like, that's uh, true. I, I, and just from like having their name associated yeah, with, right? Yeah. So. I uh, I went to one of the joint promotion shows they did. They ran one out in uh, Chicago Ridge. Uh, like a big field house out there. Yeah, I wanted. When was that? When did that happen? It was on Mother's Day, actually, if I recall correctly. Well, a year or a year ago, right? Or this this. Oh, uh, the the only time they did it in like Chicago or the Chicagoland area was this year. Okay. They 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 did they have run like joint shows in the past, but in, so like, 2016 New York. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna keep calling. Uh, <laughs> I'm probably gonna keep calling last year this year because I'm not accustomed to the whole 2017 yet. It's weird saying it. So right, like, yeah. Down. Believe me, if I say mm-hmm. earlier this year, I mean 2016. Yeah, I don't mean all this shit happened within the last few months. <laughs> so yeah, I mean like months ago in 2016. So how was that joint show? It was all right. Yeah. The booking was terrible. Okay. But, uh, like, I mean that especially for the main event, which didn't involve any New Japan guys, so that's a little bit off topic, but I okay. fucking despise the booking of that main event. Did you? Like, it ruined the show for me and a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I mean, what I was kind of getting at with that, mm-hmm. though, is just that it seemed like a lot of people there were there to see the New Japan guys. Okay. So I do think that is one area where Ring of Honor kind of gets the rub. Like, okay. even if their guys are jobbing to the stars here and there, right? they are still getting back. Yeah, I mean, I guess you I guess you kind of have to if you're the smaller promotion, right? Yeah. Um, that, were, that is where the benefit comes, which is more exposure. Yeah. And uh, I guess bigger houses equal bigger payoff for your guys, yeah. correct? Um, but then, hey, you gotta, you gotta lose to the big guy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, sometimes there's no shame in that. Like, people were mad yeah. that, uh, Kyle O'Reilly lost to Naito. Okay. Naito was the current IWGP heavyweight champ at that time. So it makes sense. Yeah. It's like, yeah. how are you going to get mad about a guy having a competitive match with another promotion's champion? Right. If anything, that gives him a rub. That's kind of mm-hmm. what I thought, but yeah. I, apparently we're alone there because a lot of people were up in arms and I'm like, man. That booking makes sense, and it makes both <laughs> guys look good. Yeah. So I don't get it. Yeah, it I'm is. getting us way too far. No, no, it's cool. I mean, I'm learning a lot. I, I, the point is to learn exactly kind of what's going on with these with these other promotions, right? So um, that's fine. Um, so then the match after that was... Oh, wait, Charlie, real quick. Yeah. I do want to say, uh, since you are a fresh set of eyes yeah, to the product, yeah. I mean, tell me, I mean, how did you like the match? Uh, specifically the last one that we just talked about, or yeah, since we're, we were on kind of on topic of the never open weight, um, I liked it because um, the I like the story that I said of like the two best friends, okay, uh, being angry at each other, and, and like in the way that was kind of like made manifest through the in ring action. Yes, and, yes, I felt I felt that out of probably all four matches, um, just just sitting down and watching it. That was a storyline that connected with me, I guess, the most. Okay. Because the commentators, for, for the com- what the commentators were saying and what the, was happening in the ring, uh, like that was like a perfect bridge. Sure. I felt sure. like so that that match specifically, um, I felt had just like a really strong story behind it, and that's just and that's because I don't I haven't watched like learned right. about the other stories, yeah. but yeah. I think that's a that's a good sign that. The storytelling was doing a jo- its job if a fresh pair of eyes can like understand it. Cool. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's a really good question though. And uh, 
so this was my second time watching these last four matches. I watched yep. all of them. I watched the whole show initially that mm-hmm. Wednesday night. And um, I think I liked this match better the second time around. Okay. Because the first time I watched it, I was comparing it to a past match they had. Uh, specifically Dominion 2013. Okay. Which, it might just be like one of those tricks of memory where you remember things a bit differently than it happened. But I remember that match being the most brutal fucking thing I've ever seen. The first one that Yeah. Yeah. So, to me, like, this one felt a little bit more tame okay. the first time around. But now that I rewatched it, I think, I mean, if it was a little bit less stiff, it made up for it in storytelling. Okay. Because I thought... Now I'm pretty comfortable in saying that I think as an as a whole package, when it, not just focused on like the brutality of it, I do think this was the better match. Yeah. I, okay. Uh, and I really uh, came across with a greater appreciation of it this the time second time around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we probably noticed really more things, but yeah, you know, that's a point that we forgot to bring up was how stiff this one was. Yeah. I mean, New Japan has a reputation for being very stiff. Um, but there was like four Shibata forums in a row that made me, that took me back a yeah. second yeah. and uh, made me realize like, is this, is this a shoot? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here? But, um, but yeah, that was great. Um, do you have anything else about that match? Um, actually, could I get uh, into the history of that title a little bit? Yeah, please I, do. I, I do think that's please, an the, interesting. The, I think the more, uh, the more you know facts, the better, honestly. Uh, 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 so let's go for it. So Charlie noticed uh, when uh, Hiromu Takahashi won the junior heavyweight title that it was like he was the seventy fourth champion. Or yeah, yeah. Like so a, a, gra- a graphic flashed across the screen. It was that was the only uh, numbers that I recognized. Right, it was the seven right, out of four. Right. The rest of it was Japanese, but it's. Or I think he said it was the seventy sixth, like the sure, seventy sixth okay. guy to win the belt, right? Um, yeah. But, uh, so compared to that, for the Never Belt, I believe it said that, uh, Goto is now the 12th. Yeah, so it was something very low. So, mm. uh, the Never Openweight title is a very recent invention. It came to being in the year 2012. So it has a very short history, mm-hmm. and initially... Its purpose was to like truly be like an open weight kind of belt. Okay. Like what they wanted to have happen was they wanted like, you know, some of the bigger guys. I'm gonna try to I mean give examples, but it won't mean a whole lot. Like a Tomohiro Ishi. Okay. Or like even a Bad Luck Fale. Like they wanted them to be He's working against. He's a bullet club guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know they wanted like so you have matches with those big guys taking on people the size of a, a Kota Ibushi or a Kushida. Okay. Like they wanted, since there is that heavy distinction between the junior heavyweight right. and you know the heavyweights, they wanted a belt that could kind of bridge that. Okay. But that hasn't really been the way that it's turned out so far. Because the title, like the never open weight title, has kind of become like the beat the shit out of each other title, okay. as a lot of people call it. Because like you are uh, Shibata held it for most of this year. Uh, before that, you had Ishi with a long title run, who we aren't getting to tonight, but he yep. is uh, another big stalwart of the company, mm-hmm. and just uh, he's called the Stone Pitbull, and that's because he looks like a pitbull. Okay. So like it's it's just become that kind of belt. But what's interesting is that. Uh, if I could talk a little bit about it, the show the night after Wrestle Kingdom, New Year's Dash. Yep. 
we had something happen where in a tag match, Juice Robinson, yep. formerly CJ Parker, in NXT, in NXT, pinned Goto in a tag match, then challenged for the never openweight title. That night? Or, you know, they're going to be doing okay. it at uh, the next, uh, one of the, it's called the New Beginnings show. It's okay. happening in uh, next month in February. Okay. So we're going to be getting a Juice Robinson versus Hiroki Goto Never Open Way title match. Is that is that interesting? Is that interesting? That's incredibly interesting okay. to me because Juice Robinson is somebody who has been busting his ass this year. One of the most improved wrestlers you're liable to see. Really? Okay. He's, because I'm going to be honest, I thought he was trash for like <laughs> a long period of time. And when you were watching him as CJ Parker, you thought he was trash? And even like when he first got to New Japan, okay. I was like, why are they wasting time and money on this jabroni? Yeah. This guy is awful. He'll never be anything. And uh, I hate to bury guys, so I'm sorry I had to say that. Hey, 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 two heels in a face. We're all about respecting your opinion, and wrestling <laughs> is a buffet. So if that if, if you don't want to drink the juice from the buffet, then you don't have to drink the juice. But you know what? Now it's no, all I'm drinking. Now okay. I'm all oh, about man. that juice. Because <laughs> Juice Robinson has turned everything around. He's where he's just clearly working so hard, just dripping charisma these days. Yeah. Dude's fantastic. He carried Cody Rhodes. That's what you told me. Carried Cody Rhodes. Mm-hmm. So to have this, anyway, I digress, as mm-hmm. I do. Uh, so to have this matchup, Juice Robinson versus Hiroki Goto, I think this kind of harkens back to the original purpose of the title, yeah. which is to give like new, interesting matchups, things that you aren't going to normally see, guys that you aren't normally going to see. Because of those class barriers. Because of class barriers, because of experience barriers. You look at a guy like Juice Robinson, he hasn't had nearly as many years in the business as Goto. Right. But, you know, here they are kind of as equals fighting for one belt. Mm-hmm. So I do think this is the start of something interesting. And I also am uh, going to go out on a limb and say that since Kushida lost the junior heavyweight belt, I think that's him moving up. I was just about to say that. I honestly was just about to say it because that's where we were talking about. Kushida was pissed that he stuck in the junior yeah. heavyweight title uh, bracket or division. I guess you could say, but this is the belt. That, that's a belt where he could move up, and yep. in like you said, the belts were defended in order of descending importance. Yeah, uh, ascending, ascending importance. importance. Ascending right. importance. If you had to peg them as that, yeah. um, so that would mean Kushida would have the opportunity to go one more match up to yep. be the the third third to last match. So, yeah, that's really what I'm anticipating happening. I think I think Juice Robinson loses to Goto. Okay, but. I think a loss doesn't hurt him that much because I think that's Juice Robinson on a higher stage. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's him challenging for a singles belt. Yeah. So I think even if he's competitive with Goto, his stock rises. And then I think the next challenger is Kushida, which cool. I personally would be over the moon excited for. That's great. I like how they just give that opportunity. Uh, that's probably something that they created because fans were, were saying like, this isn't fair, right? Yeah. Like, if the guy's got talent, then he should be able to challenge yeah. for any belt he wants. Like, make it work in the storyline. Make it believable. So they kind of created this. Why Why is the word never used in it? I'm pretty sure it's an acronym that I used to know. Okay. Meaning to, I admittedly don't know right no, now. No, it's fine. But, yeah. Great. Um, okay. Our uh, second to last match um, on the card was IWGP. Which 
is the for those who don't know, and I had to look this up, but that is like the governor and governing party of New Japan, right? Yeah. Uh, so IWGP um, Intercontinental mm-hmm. Championship, uh, NATO, right? Uh, Naito, Naito, yeah. Naito, excuse me, versus not Takahashi but Tanahashi, who's forty years old and ripped out of his mind, <laughs> yeah. so, who's still killing it, and um, Naito or Naito, 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 Naito yeah. <laughs> is. Part of a heel stable. I say their name. Uh, I Los Ingobernables de Japón. Okay. And uh, sorry for not having a good uh, Mexican accent. <laughs> um, start, that was a CMLL stable, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Los Ingobernables, mm-hmm. like the, we'll call it the governing body <laughs> of Los Ingobernables. Um, yeah, it started in CMLL and... Uh, Naito's involvement came from him doing a tour down there. Oh, yeah. This wasn't even him as a young lion or anything like okay. that. It, it wasn't was, his excursion. It was excursion. just straight up. No. Okay. He, he did have... His excursion was in Mexico, but it was years before uh, okay. the Los Ingobernables thing. So, yeah, while... He, like, he was a baby face before he went to Mexico, came back a heel. Right. He... Theory, like, he got in with a bad crowd... <laughs> uh, became ungovernable, which is what ingovernable means. Uh, ungovernable. Okay. Uh, he became ungovernable and uh, turned into a real piece of shit. Started attacking the referee, Red Shoes. Dude, Red Shoes is my favorite. I think, I think if I had to take one thing out of watching uh, Wrestle Kingdom is I love Red Shoes. Who, Red Shoes is a referee who wears red boots. Yeah. Right? Yeah. For those who had... Who, and he... Was getting pushed around during matches and just took it like a champ. Yeah, it's, it's it's not fair, but yeah, red shoes is the ultimate professional. What do and do most people uh, when they go on excursions? So you said Naito went on an excursion yeah. and then just became a heel in Mexico. Do most people are most people that are coming because that's that's like the old school Vince McMahon heel, or you could even say like before Vince McMahon. If they're a foreigner, they're a bad person, right? So like, right? So every foreigner is always pegged as like a heel, right? You see it now with Rusev, and, but Rusev uh, does a good job. And uh, the uh, the Davari guy, the new yeah, uh, cruiserweight, yeah. like, oh, this guy is representing Tarana Ron. Like, let's put the garb on him and let's just make him a heel, right? It's so like, it's just, I don't, it's it's so old in its ways. Yeah, um, is that how is that kind of why how he was viewed when he came over there? Do you know? Do you know? So, uh, I'd imagine. I admittedly don't know. Okay. I do know that like if you are interested and you do have New Japan World, if you want to see some of Naito's stuff in Mexico, they do have a couple matches up there. Oh, do they? And that that is fairly uncommon to have like the kind of uh, interpromotional stuff up there. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can actually watch like. Uh, naito's like burgeoning heel ways down in mexico if you're interested in that kind of transformation but so like essentially like if you weren't following the cmll stuff at all though all you knew was that naito was this baby face who could never fully get over okay like he would have like these pushes that would just kind of start and stop start and stop Mm -hmm. uh he was somebody that like the fans largely never fully got it seemed like the front office never fully got behind him. Okay. Like they thought he was the guy, then maybe not. So then he went off to Mexico for this little tour, came back, did the whole heel thing, killed it. Okay. Like made the heel thing his own, you know, and transferred just from being a part of Los Ingobernables to now being the leader of Los Ingobernables de Japón. 
the the ungovernables of Japan. The ungovernables of Japan. And uh, once he formed this, he brought in former young lions who were coming back from their uh, excursions mm. to join him. So every Come member, yeah, every member of Los Ingobernables is a, a young lion who just got back and got a new gimmick. They're part of Los Ingobernables. They're nice. All, they're dark and moody. And uh, so he's so. giving people a rub, new guys oh, yeah. who are coming to prove yeah. themselves. Absolutely. Um, one thing I noticed is the my coffee maker is going off. If you can hear that in the background, but one thing I noticed is the way he mistreats the belt, where he just kind of like yeah. throws it up in the air and throws it in the ring. I thought that was a good heelish tactic that no, I don't really see anyone do right now. Um, he'll just like you know th- this doesn't even mean anything to me. Yeah, it's a lot um, of disrespect in general. Like if you mm-hmm. notice too, uh, he took his time. He comes to the ring in a suit. Yes. In, in a full suit. And he takes his time getting the suit off. He does. Not like Cesaro, who rips right. it off. Exactly. It is the polar opposite of Cesaro. Yeah. And, and kind of what he's just doing there is like, I don't value your time. You're just going to stand here and watch me while I like button, unbutton every button as right. like meticulously and slowly and deliberately as I possibly can. Yep. Like, I don't give a shit about this. I'm just here. Yep. Um, one thing I liked about the match is both of the at during the match both of the wrestlers Naito and Tanahashi got greedy with like their second finisher and yeah. it ended up costing them um so I thought that was a cool thing um and then I have a note down here about um just because I felt like I don't know how many how many times a year is a good question for you how many times a year do you think the the IWGP Intercontinental title is defended I would say more often than the heavyweight title. More often than a heavyweight title? Yeah. Is it once a month or is it less than once a month? All right. Uh, one of the things about New Japan is that it doesn't follow kind of like the same schedule as like a WWE. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't do the whole thing where there's like weekly episodic, the longest right. running weekly episodic. <laughs> oh, okay. It's not It doesn't really do it that way. Um so it can kind of differ. Okay. There are going to be some months that are pretty quiet. Uh-huh. Like, I don't think there was, uh, there was an intercontinental title defense or a heavyweight title defense in the month of December at all. Okay. I think the last one went back to early early November. Okay. The last, like, big titles were defended was early November until Wrestle Kingdom. Okay. But then, yeah, there are also going to be months where they might have a couple defenses. I, I think that the reason I brought this up, um, and because I, I saw like, I saw a lot of creative and innovative spots, and I think most 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 in this match. That's the reason why I wrote it down. But I feel that one thing I already kind of respect about New Japan is it's not uh, like the content is not oversaturated, um, and I feel that WWE may be getting that way uh, because of like the brand split and. Just uh, multiple pay-per-views. I know they're different shows, yeah, but yeah. Um, and that just might be another. If the belt isn't defended that often, it might be another. Like these matches do feel more important because they are for a belt that maybe hasn't been defended in a month or so. Um, uh, instead of like uh, Intercontinental that might be defended two times in a month. Right. Uh, and I uh, one of the other things that I think is interesting is that uh, I mentioned this to Chuck while we were watching. I'm not sure if I mentioned it on the podcast yet. But you can have shows, like mid-size shows, like the equivalent of like a mid-size pay-per-view, where the Intercontinental belt is going to headline the show. Yeah. 
So it's called upon to like have serious drawing power. Okay. So I think that kind of makes for an interesting dynamic too, just because like a headlining match is inherently going to be different from a semi-main or mm-hmm. something further down. So I think that can kind of keep things fresh too. Yeah, that's so. true. That's true. An Intercontinental match that headlines a show is getting compared to the rest of the matches that are probably on the card that night, right? Because that's usually because when people tell me that WWE isn't competitive, I or at wrestling in general isn't competitive, I say that's not true. The people who are in the ring wrestling each other are trying to outdo the match that was before them yeah. and the match that's going to be after them, right? So you're in, you're kind of inherently comparing matches in the same show. Like, what was the best match oh, on the card? Yeah. What was yeah. the best match on yeah. the show? So, um, so to your point, then if the I do the, the Intercontinental title is headlining a show, then then they're just going to step it up one more notch to yeah. that level. Um, and try to be the be- try to be the headliner and steal that show Definitely. instead of like being you know second or third yeah. to go on a different show. And I do think uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that this match could have headlined most shows. Okay, like one, the drawing power in this match was ridiculous, which uh, they did not mention on commentary, but they did mention drawing power in a different match on commentary, yes, which I found kind of weird. <laughs> but uh, the drawing power in this match is insane. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi headlined the last six Wrestle Kingdoms. That's insane. That is insane. That's headlining six WrestleManias in a row. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's the comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he was the face of the company for the past. The face know, that runs the place. Ten years. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's really pretty. I mean, there was even there were even talks of will the Intercontinental Belt. Will that take the main event over the IWGP heavyweight match? Really? Like, there were talks of, like, there was, like, a fan vote. Like, I think an unofficial one, there was, like, a fan vote where it was, like, should the Intercontinental match be headlining? Just because, like, these guys, uh, Tanahashi is the ace, the consummate ace, even though he's trying to take a little bit more of, like, a backseat kind of role. Right. Uh, and Naito... Uh, is Los and Gobernables de Japón are just so over right now. Okay. The merchandise is ridiculous. You said there would be Bullet Club in merch in the past yeah. uh, however many uh, months. Maybe or... don't quote me on that because okay, I, I, I am pretty sure that's the case. But okay. since I'm not 100% sure, I don't want to like throw that out but there. That's but a, I do think so. That's a stat that might jump out to someone who doesn't know a ton about New Japan. Like yeah. I know everyone has a Bullet Club shirt. Everyone and their mother has a Bullet Club shirt. But... And honestly, if you pay attention, like if you look at the crowd at all on this show, you're going to see a lot of Los and Gobernables merch. Okay. Like, especially like when you know like the kind of logos and insane insignia to look for right like, yeah like all of these people are wearing los and gobernables stuff mm-hmm. like this whole row is wearing like masks like bushi or like the kind of masks that naito comes out in. right so they're huge merch sellers and uh incredibly popular there are a lot of calls coming for like a lot of people in the states it seems at least want naito to be the top guy now New Japan. Really? Like over an Okada, over a Tanahashi, over an Omega. They want him to be the guy. He was more interesting so. to me than than Okada was. Naito? Yeah. yeah. Naito was more interesting to me than Okada was. Um, Okada seemed a little bit too... I don't want to... Like, maybe the rich kid who just has always gotten his way. Yeah. And, it, you know, it isn't really, like, that talented, but maybe, like, knew someone in the business. <laughs> and, and that's... I, and I don't... I, I'm not pe- pegging him as that, but that's the 
vibe he gave off where Naito seemed just more like genuine charisma kind of. Yeah. Well, and plus I, I think Naito is really, uh, just really grateful to be where he is. Okay. Like, as I mentioned before, like there are shows, I'm trying to think of specific examples, but there, there were shows I was watching not too long ago where he was the baby face and he was getting booed. Oh, okay. Just because the crowd didn't give a shit about it. Right. So he, he's got a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Okay. That, that's the perfect way to put it. Okay. Actually. Like he came back got this great gimmick that he himself like sure it was it came from another promotion but he put his stamp on it right you know he made it his own just absolutely killing it so okay. i think like incre- incredible levels of motivation from him just wanting to like kind of keep that yeah he's so, hungry yeah exactly i think it showed through in this match and i thought that uh one thing was cool about this match in all the four matches that i watched and i don't i don't know I wouldn't like every match to have it, and once again, it might not be every show that this happens, New Japan show, but every match that we watched, there was fo- a focus on a body part. Every yeah, one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that is, uh, that's something I noticed when watching this yeah. show that is not the norm. Though. Okay, it's not the norm. Yeah, okay. it was, uh, it, it wasn't even something I noticed the first time I watched it either, so that was a very astute observation on your part. Oh, no, thank you. Yeah, no, I didn't notice that the first time around. Like, I knew it was, uh, I did think about, I noticed it very much in this match the first time around. Right. The, the, the knee work from both of them. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I didn't notice that it was a running theme until I rewatched it. <laughs> yeah. So. But this one was super interesting because, this is why, and uh, with wrestling, as you know, it's a lot of the same stuff, but they, but there's always a different, a tiny little different spin put on yeah. it that makes it new, right? So in this match, they were both working on each other's knees. So they both had bad knees. So they're 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 like kayfabe bad knees. So they're throwing each other into the ropes, and they like almost can't complete the spot because as they're running, they're like limping. So they're basically running the ropes with limps, yeah. both of them, which I thought was unique. That doesn't happen enough, right? I think um, if you're really trying to sell a knee, and also then the spot that everyone does now, which is the the I'm going to stand here and forearm you, and then you forearm me yeah. back. Yeah. But they were doing it with with knee kicks, <laughs> which is which was great. different. Was yeah, it was great. So those are two really new things that I haven't seen before. Uh, one interesting note about this match is that in the G One Climax Finals in 2013, it was Tanahashi versus Naito. Tanahashi was working on Naito's leg the whole match. Naito stopped selling. Really, and like. People just, like, despised Naito for that match just because, like, his limb selling was just so bad. Okay. So I think there was some serious redemption at play on this show. Okay, I thought I thought both men sold the limbs really fucking well. I agree. And you keep going back to, two th- to 2013. Is there a good year? Really good, good year, year for New Japan? Really good year for New Japan. I have a lot of specific 2013 match recommendations. The 2013 G1 was the best tournament I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, 2013 was a really, really good year. You want to spit out a couple more just for the listeners so they can jot uh, them down? Match recommendations? Yeah. Uh, if you have not seen this match, I think everyone should, and that is uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, who you're all familiar with, versus Kota Ibushi, who you're all familiar with, mm-hmm. an easy sell. Their 2013 G1 match. Okay. Uh, one of my... Top five favorite matches of all time. Any promotion. Wow. Love that match. That's coming from someone who's been watching wrestling your whole life, right? I was lapsed for a little while. We all were lapsed. We all were, we all were yeah, lapsed. I talked about this. I was on the uh, the Last Mark Standing podcast as a guest probably like 
November 2016 or something like that. And there's always that gap yeah. with people our age who are like uh, 26, 27, 28, like in that mid to high 20s. There's there was always that lapse. So you're you're not alone in that <laughs> sense. <laughs> but someone who's watched a lot of wrestling, top five, any top five match is just going to be good. Right? Yeah, for someone yeah. who's a wrestling yeah. fan. I think like yeah, if you're talking to any like serious wrestling fan and mm-hmm. they consider it like one of their top five matches, that's kind of something that you just go out and watch. Right. So, like, so even even if, if if even if you don't like it and it's not your style, like I think that's you know just something you need to kind of see. Just that's a good like, point. This is out there, right? That's a good point. Um, yeah, you're you're probably gonna like it, right? If you're a wrestling fan, and, and, and I think like, especially, I mean, people know Nakamura. Mm-hmm. Like if you like Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, even if, even if you haven't seen Kota Ibushi, like even if you didn't watch CWC or anything like that, uh, if you like Nakamura at all, you're going to adore this match. Okay. Uh, if you like both guys, you're going to like this match so much that (laughs) you're gonna just quit your job, (laughs) quit your day and you're just gonna, you're like, or at least take a week off. You're going to take a week off and just think, spend that time thinking about how good that match was. Just because, like, you literally, you physically cannot bring yourself to do anything else. Okay. But so, think about that match. But think about that match, yeah. I love that match. Can you, can we see this right now? Can I see this right now on the subscription, the 10, the 10, or $10 subscription I just purchased to New Japan World? Oh, uh, you paid $8.71. $8.71, excuse me. You sure can. 9 99 yen. Yeah, right. it's 999 yen, so yeah. it will fluctuate based on the conversion rate. Yeah. Uh, the dollar is strong right now, and the yen not so much. Educate the people. Uh, <laughs> That's conversion all rates? <laughs> no, God, I, I, I hope you guys realize that conversion rates exist in different forms of currency. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, so the price will fluctuate on a okay. monthly basis, which can make things kind of weird when, like, you have uh, when you have it set to just auto. Right, right, month. right, right. But, I mean, realistically, it's not going to be such, like, a massive stretch. No. I don't think I've ever spent more than $10. Okay. It'll usually stay in the $9 okay. range. But uh, it is 100% available to watch on New Japan World. Um, one resource that I do want to kind of put out there... Go for it. ...is this, uh, this uh, Google Doc. And it's okay. run by... Uh, Senor Lariato yes. on Twitter. Very popular Twitter handle. Very popular Twitter mm-hmm. account. He was Mr. Lariato till WWE got his Twitter account banned. Yeah, why is... Do you know why that happened? Uh, posting gifts of WWE shows. Oh, okay. Uh, like, it, it was just like a like contact. live shows? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Makes sense. Uh, so what he did... I think he's still the one maintaining it. Like, I want to give credit where it's due. I think he's the only person behind it, but if there are other people working on it, I apologize for not giving them a shout-out as well. Yeah. But what he did is he's maintaining this Google Doc that lists hundreds, of at this point, of uh, recommended matches to watch on New Japan World. Oh, great. And what's interesting about it is that it has a direct link to it. So it's basically just like this comprehensive list of all these matches you should see, and it's color-coded. So if it's just like a regular like white row, it means like it's a match. Yeah, you can check it out. You know, nothing that sets the world on fire, but yep, like a decent yep. match. Then like if it's like that kind of like reddish purplish color, it's like, you know, four star match. Okay. And if it's gold, then it's one of those like you should just stop what you're doing and watch this match. Okay. So like that's it's such a good resource if you're a new fan or like 
maybe you maybe you watched like uh, from all of like 2016, but you haven't seen shows from before. Right. Uh, you could just do like a quick like Control F, like oh I want to watch more Shibata matches. Control F, type in Shibata. It'll bring up all the Shibata entries. And the links are right there. And the links are right there. You don't gotta like mess around with anything. And you can see like oh this match is gold. That right. means this this is the one I'm gonna watch first. Right. That's that's the so. user experience that we've all grown accustomed to now. Immediate gratification. Yeah. Click the link and you're right there. And uh, I also need to say that it is more that like fan made Google Doc is more user friendly than New Japan's website. Yes, so. I know. I told, like like we mentioned <laughs> before. Like we mentioned before, New Japan it needs to up. They need to upgrade their tech. They do. They, they need do. to upgrade their partnership game. Seems strong. Um, Maybe a little one-sided, but strong. But they need yeah, they need a te- they need a, like a kick in the ass on the on the tech content and an exp- user experience. Yeah. Like so, uh, I want an app I can watch on my Roku. You know. Um. Great. The last match. Uh. Before we get into, I want to get into your 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 uh wrestling theme list because oh, you've been yeah. talking it up since you've been since you stepped foot here in my place. Um. But the last match was. Uh, contra- controversial, right? Main events. Yeah, um, I would say so. It was, uh, I don't know his first name, but I'm just going to say Okada. Yeah, because versus, yeah, versus Kenny Omega for the IWGP Heavyweight yeah. Championship. Um, so, this match was very long. Probably longer than WrestleMania's main event, this past one, which went like 37 minutes. This match went, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, or don't, don't actually correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but, uh, I believe it went 46. Minutes. 46. Yeah. That's very long. Very long. Very that is long. A very long match. But I, never once during the match where I was like, man, this is going way too long. I was in. I was into it the whole time. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's just from a. And I'm giving my once again giving my perspective from someone who's watching. Uh, that was probably what my my seventh New Japan match I've ever right, watched right. total. Um, uh, I never. Yeah. I never felt like it was boring or like, hey, let's speed this up. Um, really, really, two really crazy spots. Yes. Two really crazy spots. Um, also, also, just to set some expectations, a, ch- a Japanese table is very thin, and yes. it's basically like, oh, you're the wooden bench you had in your high school locker room. It's it's not even a large table, but there was an insane back body drop to the outside, and Omega went through the table. And I thought he was hurt. Yeah. In a, I, I watched the show for the first time alone. And it caused me to yell out loud that that <laughs> spot happened. It makes you, yeah, it's a spot where you just it's, go, oh, you just gasp. It's so unexpected. <laughs> like, in the retrospect, you could see it coming, like the way it was set up and everything. But it's just like, I guess it's just in your brain. You're thinking, they wouldn't make somebody take a back body drop. That's what you, yeah, and that's where you're talking about the the other spot to tell about oh, the that, dragon suplex. Yeah, the avalanche dragon suplex. Kenny Omega dragon suplexes Okada off the top rope, just drops him on his fucking head in one of the most yes. I can only say one of the most dangerous spots in this match because so there dangerous. were so many dangerous spots in this match. There were. But it, it, it was it was brutal. And it's one of those spots. Yeah, I think like the exact way I described it to mm-hmm. Chuck earlier is, you know, you go to a wrestling show where you watch one on TV and they're setting up for this big spot off the top rope where like maybe a guy's going to like hit his finish or something off. Mm-hmm. And you know it's not going to happen. 
you know that like one of the like uh, the guy's just gonna push the other guy off the top rope, then do like a diving crossbody right. or something. They're gonna play it safe, exactly, right. because it would just be too da- it would just be too dangerous mm-hmm. to hit the move that they're hinting at. But no, they they deliver on this one <laughs> against they all drop a person on their head. It's just it's it's brutal. I the, mean, the, it's cr- it's cringeworthy. The, anytime in wrestling, as you know, like if uh, if head and neck is involved. Yeah. Like, it yeah. makes you, like, cringe up into a little ball and just pray to God that the person, like, can survive through the match, right? Um, but but to compare it to some matches that were supposed to be brutal at this past WrestleMania, that those spots are, are like, blow any type of risk that they took, like, out of the water. Yeah. Like, if you want intense in-ring action, this would be your show. Yeah, let's be real, though. Nobody should be taking those bumps. No. Nobody should be taking I don't wouldn't bumps. recommend anyone in the world to take that bump because I wouldn't really even wish death upon my worst enemies. And all the knees to Okada's head. All oh my god. All stiff knees to Okada's head. I, I, didn't, I didn't even know... I didn't even know what Kenny Omega was doing when he was, like, pointing his gun... Yeah. Uh, when he was like with his hand or yeah. putting his hand into the gun. Not an actual gun. Not an actual gun. The match didn't Not get that actual, dangerous. Yeah. But then he did like a sprinting, almost like Randy Orton punt, yeah. but with yeah. a knee. And that happened probably four times <laughs> during the match, if not more. Yeah. Well, it was like like a bon maillet, like a knockabout. Yeah, yeah. Knock but it was, style. it was. I mean, it was strong style. It was stiff. Um, so like, and I'm sure like if you're watching or excuse me, if you're listening and you don't know too much about New Japan, like, and you, but just know that it, it has a reputation of being stiff, like, this match delivered on that, for yes, sure. Yes, yes. 100%. Like, that, probably Kenny Omega's knees and Shibata's forearms were the stiffest, yeah. stiffest strikes um, that that I saw in these last four matches, but completely delivered on the in-ring action and the riskiness of the spots, and, like, that is just something that people crave, that WWE doesn't necessarily deliver, which is smart, but then also, what do you want to see, right? Do you want to see high risky spots or? Yeah, I, I think. Know, it's your preference. This also isn't a match you can have all the time. No. If you had, if every main event was a forty-six minute match where guys are killing each other, eventually you'd grow very much desensitized to it. Right. Right. And they would just start to feel formulaic. Uh, I thought there were a lot of spots in this match that I found genuinely surprising. Okay. Which isn't something I can say all that often. Okay. And I thought it was consistently exciting. But for me personally, it was not my match of the night. What was your match? To wrap to wrap up uh, to wrap up, you know, our Wrestle Kingdom experience together. Uh, did I see the, your match of the night? Yes. Okay. What would what would you say your 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 match of the night? Or the one like if you had to recommend one out of this show to go. Ooh, that that's a different. Question, that's a different actually. question. Okay, so let let's question. just do match of the night. Let's just do match of the night. Uh, while I do feel like I need to put over pretty strongly that uh, the Kenny Omega Kazuchika Okada match mm-hmm. from a physical standpoint is one of the most impressive things that I've seen. Yeah. Ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but however, in terms of storytelling and just loving a match start to finish my match of the night was uh naito versus tanahashi okay that was my match of the night and that it was that was true the first time around i thought it may change the second time around but it just kind of hammered it home that was still my match of the night Great. I, I i loved that match start to finish i thought everything they did worked everything they did made sense i love that match yeah. so so new person that you've just met they say hey greg tell me about new japan what uh, one one match that I should watch on the Wrestle Kingdom Eleven card? 
Uh, Omega Okada. Omega Okada. Omega Okada. And that encomp- that just encompasses everything that represents New Japan as a promotion. Yeah, and, and plus I think, um, honestly, I think that the Tanahashi-Naito match is a bit better appreciated if you're already familiar with both guys. Okay. It's one of those kinds of matches. Right. Uh, so I think, yeah, for a new fan... I would say that Omega Okada is. But say so your expectation that this is this is the pinnacle of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not every yeah, show is exactly, going to be like exactly. this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, like that's just completely insane. <laughs> it's not like uh, you're not going to see that same match next month. No. So I hope no one gets Dragon Sleepered on the top of their neck and head oh, like that before oh. again. And I'm glad he's okay. I think so. Is he okay, Okada? He works the next night. He worked the next night. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know what a dragon sleeper suplex is, your hands are basically up in a full Nelson. Full Nelson, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's straight backwards. Yeah. Um, intense. So, uh, yeah, so I hope that you learned a thing or two. I learned a thing or two. I hope. Sitting, you, sitting here with you for, uh, you know, like three hours just asking you questions. And um, it's really interesting. And I can definitely say that I will look into more New Japan. Um, so I hope the, the listener that you've learned... Uh, just some new insights and some new reasons behind why certain certain things are done in a certain way, and that there there is something else at the buffet table for you if you're just kind of sick of uh, the type of content that WWE is pushing out, or you just want like a new change of pace. Right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and I think yeah, that's the point. We're not trying to bury any promotion. We're not. And like this isn't like a claim like oh well, New Japan Pro Wrestling is objectively the best wrestling promotion in the world. Not trying to say anything like that. Not at all. Uh, it's just yeah, exactly. It's it's exactly that. If you watch the show and you're not sure where to go from there, uh, honestly, I'm totally comfortable, willing, and looking forward to recommending matches mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of putting things into motion. Yeah. And uh, I'd also like to kind of give like a plug. Yeah. Just like because I think there are a lot of uh, really good resources out there. Okay. And I'm I'm a big fan of. Uh, kind of giving visibility to people who are sure. providing good sure. content. Sure, put, pe- put people over. Uh, so there is, uh, can I put over a rival podcast, though? Pro- oh, no. <laughs> I, 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 I would say. I'm facetious. <laughs> no, go for it. I have a lot. I, I'll give wrestling podcast recommendations all day. I've done it before. So. Well, I mean, because your podcast is so popular. That <laughs> yeah, like, we're, it, we're it, booming, right? Yeah. Uh, there, there's a podcast called New Japan Purocast. Okay. And uh, Puro, P-U-R-O, and uh, it's strictly a New Japan podcast by people who are enthusiastic, very much knowledgeable. Okay. Um, I think that's a really good way to um, just kind of just get additional insight. Mm-hmm. Get your feet wet a little bit. And plus, I mean, you could just go back and listen to prior episodes okay. where they're, you know, giving more context on things. And uh, there's also uh, from Voices of Wrestling. Who you may be familiar with? That sounds familiar. You're probably familiar with. Is that a podcast too? Uh, it's like a network of podcasts, and it's like a, oh yeah, like a standalone like website. Okay, well. okay. Voices uh, of Wrestling. They have a New Japan Year in Review ebook. Ebook. That's e-book. different. I've never seen a type of wrestling content in ebook. Yeah, uh, I, that's uh, interesting. I, I I admittedly did not purchase the 2016 one, but I did purchase the 2015 one way back. Okay, and it has a lot of uh, just really valuable content information, uh, kind of like 
essentially it's just such a good resource if you're new to this promotion yeah and you're looking at like this list of names and faces and guys where it's like oh i remember that one match i really liked but i don't know anything else right i mean that's just it's an easy place where everything's just kind of right there okay it's it's an english new japan resource you know an english language new japan resource okay so it's like it's just a quick and easy way to kind of get uh get acquainted with things great so. great and always ask questions to greg um, yeah at greg nasty on yeah. twitter at greg nasty on twitter i will happily engage with you not get engaged to you <laughs> <laughs> you fucker <laughs> leave me alone but uh no i will uh, yeah i i'm legitimately uh i look forward to like recommending matches and things like that yes uh, Greg will converse with you if you yeah, if you sure. open up to him, and uh, especially like when I know kind of like a little bit about like what kind of stuff people like, mm-hmm. like to to be like, oh, I think you'd like this, right? So, yeah, happy to do that. And plus, I mean, if I did fuck something up, you can just tell me I messed up. If you're just sitting there listening and you're just being a smart, like, <laughs> oh, oh, Greg, you said this thing, but really it's this. You you can tell me that on Twitter as That's, well. Yeah, but hey, nobody's perfect. And um, I'll just block you. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I mean, I've, not blocked, <laughs> I've never blocked anyone on Twitter. No, neither. And I'm actually a really kind person that you can talk to. Definitely, so. definitely. Yeah, that Greg. Greg is the our NJPW consultant here at Two Heels yeah. and Face. Uh, w that. So you have to accept that title. It, that makes it an official title. Yeah, you're the, you're the ungovernable, ungovernable consultant. I am truly ungovernable. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and being a part of the two heels and a face point two period or our transition period where we are going to start ramping up this podcast more often and do at least two podcasts a month. So thank you so much for joining us for this episode. I hope you learned a lot about New Japan Pro Wrestling that will now continue to educate you and continue conversations that you're having with other wrestling fans. That's what we want. Wrestling is a buffet. Everyone takes it differently and likes different things. I do not watch a lot of New Japan Pro Wrestling, but now I probably will because Greg is a New Japan Pro Wrestling connoisseur and aficionado, and he has educated me on that. So I hope you learned a lot of new things about New Japan Pro Wrestling. To listen to us more, we're on SoundCloud, so you can search for Two Heels and a Face on SoundCloud or www.soundcloud.com backslash Two Heels and a Face. That's the number two. Heels and a face, all one word. We're on Twitter at that same handle, two heels and a face, all one word, with the number two starting. We're getting on iTunes, and we are going to be ramping up this podcast more frequently. I know there's some people out there who have noticed our lack of exposure or our lack of production, you could say, at the early start of January 2017. I can surely tell you that we are going to be transitioning into higher production and at least do two podcasts a month. So thank you for sticking with us during this transition period. And we're going to be churning out a lot of good content for you. We're going to be getting a domain name and doing a medium.com publication. So thank you so much for your commitment with staying with us. Please interact with us on Twitter. If you would like to write something for our upcoming publication, and you have some thoughts in your head you just want to get on paper, please email us at twoheelsandaface at gmail.com or slide into our DMs on Twitter and we can talk about this article that you want to write. It has to be of good and high quality and it has to be non-judgmental because that's the way we like to do things here at Two Heels and a Face. 
wrestling is a buffet. Everyone takes different things from the buffet line. Everyone watches wrestling differently. Everyone likes it for different reasons. And we don't discriminate. So as long as we approve of that article and you run it past us, it can go on Two Heels in the Face publication, which will be on medium.com. Also, please reach out to us if you want to be a guest on this podcast. We can talk further about that. But once again, thank you so much for listening. And I hope that you have learned something. And I hope that we can continue our conversations moving forward about wrestling. Have a good day.